0: Would to John chapter 14. <clears throat> John chapter 14. I really appreciate that song. That that um, is a beautiful song. It's, so it's um, a song that I listen to often, and it, it's always an encouragement to me. And I, I appreciate them singing it this morning. Uh, John chapter 14. If you're using the Bibles there in the chairs, it's page 640, 640. <clears throat> and we'll be there in a few minutes, but <clears throat> when I was young, a uh, long time ago, <laughs> feels like another life ago, uh, <clears throat> I was a Boy Scout, and and uh, always, be always be prepared, that was our motto, be prepared. And uh, anyway, we had decided uh, one summer, because you know, Boy Scouts always go on a summer camp. And we had decided this one particular summer that we were going to go on a long backpack trip. Instead of going somewhere for a week and just staying there, we were going to go somewhere, set a base camp. Then we were going to hit the road and go on a 50-mile backpack trip. And so lots of preparation uh, went into that, as you can imagine. And uh, we drove drove up from L.A. into uh, the Mammoth Lakes area. And uh, we set up base camp. And <clears throat> the night before we were to kick off this trip, the the adult leaders got all of us together <clears throat> that were going to be making trip. Not the whole troop was going on the 50 mile uh, hike. Uh, <clears throat> only only about half of us. Uh, but he, they, we got they got all of us together, and they distributed the food that we would need for the next five days. And, man, I looked at that, and I went, "I eat too much." <laughs> you know, because you know, as a boy Scout, you know we go backpacking for a day or two. It, that's not that big a deal. But five days of food, that that's a lot of weight that 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 you have to carry around with you. and and uh, man, it was it was quite an eye-opening experience. But anyway, we got <clears throat> we took off and we got on day three, uh, we, the, the morning of day three. <clears throat> yeah, I think it was the morning of day three. <clears throat> we were awakened uh, by uh, uh, bears in our in our camp. Now, let, let, let me tell you how you're supposed to do things, okay? When, when you're backpacking in the High Sierras, <clears throat> you are supposed to, and this is what we did, okay? we 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 every night before we before we went went to bed, <clears throat> we would take ropes and we would find a really high branch, and we would throw throw the rope over the branch, and then we'd put all our food in bags and tie them off and then and then hoist them up in the trees. <clears throat> and that's what we did. You do that for two reasons. one, uh, to protect your food, obviously. But the main reason is if you keep your food in your tent, Guess where the bear's coming? Yeah, because that bear doesn't care if you're in there or not. <clears throat> so, apparently, uh, the, the 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 morning of the third day, or the night of the second day, or anyway, somewhere in there, <clears throat> about halfway through the trip, we must have gotten careless because we we did. We threw the food. We you know we threw the rope over the branch. We hoisted the food, but whoever hoisted the food, the bag was too close to the tree. So this this mama bear comes in with these two cubs and she, you know, she, they're not stupid, okay? They know where the food is. So, excuse me, this mama bear comes in and sends her cub up the tree. Well, you know what the cub does. The cub just reaches out and just shreds the bag with those claws, and all our food that was in that bag just hit the ground. Well, <clears throat> you sh- I wish I wish we had had a video of this because it it had to have been incredibly humorous. Back then? <clears throat> yeah, back then, yeah. <laughs> um, but <clears throat> the next thing I know, we are running around screaming and hollering and banging pans trying to scare these bears away and i remember this bear sitting there eating my food and he just she just kind of looks over at me like are you kidding you're going to bang a pan and scare me okay are you kidding me well they they feasted on my food for, I don't know how long, but finally, they were done, and I guess we had ir- irritated them enough that they that they decided to t- just move on. And about 20, 30 minutes later, another camp on the other side of the lake, we heard the same thing. <laughs> so, so anyway, <laughs> here we were, 10,000 feet, in the Sierra mountains, the Sierra Nevada mountains, and half half of our food was gone. And you know, a couple of things happened. One, of you know, all of a sudden the the scoutmaster says, "Okay, boys, break out the fishing poles." <laughs> you know, because you know, so a few of the guys had fishing poles, and so we we ate fish and. Anyway, but I mean, obviously we didn't starve, but for the first time in my life, I, I don't know, I was probably 14, 15 years old, I don't know, I understood what provisions are, because now all of a sudden, I was without them. Prior to that, you know, when you're 15 years old, you don't spend a lot of time Asking mom, well, mom, did you go to the store and buy groceries? No, mom just did that and there were always groceries. And now all of a sudden I was in a predicament, well, we were in a predicament that now all of a sudden we had, I don't know, there's probably 15 or 20 boys and you know, a half dozen adults. And we needed to figure out how we were going to eat. I looked up the word provision, and this is, this, is, this is what the definition is. A measure taken beforehand to deal with a need. And my scoutmaster and, and all the adult leaders and all the, everybody who went into the planning of this trip, they had made provision for our sustenance, right? Does that make sense? They had made provision for it. They just hadn't made provision for a smart mama bear and a smart cub. As we enter into our theme this year, Anchored in Christ, the first part of the the anchor that that I want to talk about is God's provision. See, there are certain things that God has done that he has provided for us because he knows the situations we're going to get into. Now, do you think that if my scoutmaster had understood that a mama bear was going to be able to come into our camp and take half of our food, do you think he would have planned for more food? Absolutely he would have. But see, that was an unknown. Now, <clears throat> is there anything that God does not know? His grace, His grace is sufficient. You know, there is not one time in your life that God looks down and went, goes, oh, oh, Rick, you did it again. How in the world are you going to get out of that mess? He doesn't do that. See, God has put in place certain things for our provision. He planned ahead an eternity past. He knew that there was going to be a knucklehead that lived in Fernley, Nevada, named Rick Lynn. And he was going to need certain things in his life to, in order to survive. And we're going to spend some time uh, <clears throat> in the next few weeks talking about God's provision and the things that God has put in place for each and every one of us. This morning, <clears throat> let's start in John chapter 14. <clears throat> let's start reading in verse 16. John chapter 14, and verse 16. And I will pray the Father, and He will, and He shall give you another Comforter that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye uh, know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. And I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so very much for your love. Thank you for the guidance that you give us. But Lord, I want to thank you for the for the provision that you've made. I want to thank you for the things that you've put in our lives, the the things that only you could do. I want to thank you for the forethought. Help us, dear God, to get a hold of some of these truths that you've given us. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> the first provision that we're going to talk about is the provision of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> in fact, the, the title of the message this morning is the work of the Holy Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit. Satan has, has totally distorted the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Many people <clears throat> have misconceptions of what the, 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 the ministry and the work of the Holy Spirit is in our lives. Many Christians <clears throat> today uh, get this crazy idea that pe- in order to be filled with the Spirit, you have to uh, uh, jump up and down and run around the church and do crazy things and, and, and do all these things. That That's not the work of the Spirit. the Bible teaches us very specifically the, the, what, the, what the job and the ministry of the Holy Spirit is. And I personally believe that a Christian cannot function to, to their utmost without the influence of the Spirit of God in their lives. <clears throat> this morning I want to look at three different areas. that the, uh, And, and, and this, is, this is just scratching the surface of what the Spirit of God does. But I want to just look at three very quickly. The first one is the Holy Spirit points people to Christ. The Holy Spirit points people to Christ. Turn over to John chapter 16, <clears throat> verse 13. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come for he glorifieth me that being christ for he shall res, uh, receive of mine and shall show it unto you <clears throat> see the, the the primary job of the holy spirit is to point people to christ it is not nowhere are we told to pray to the holy spirit but to god the father There are two ways in which the Spirit of God directs people to Christ. The first way is for salvation. In Acts chapter 4, verses 10 and 12, it says, Be it known unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, uh, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him that this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which is set at naught of the builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It is the Spirit of God that points people to their need of salvation and its salvation is through Christ. Now there's an interesting statement that Jesus makes here, in, or, or that, that uh, Luke makes here in Acts chapter uh, chapter four. Uh, it says, "This stone which thou hast set not to the to the builders." It is referring that is a it's a, dur- a demonstrative a pronoun. That's it. That that word. Okay, I'm not. It's not coming out right. How, how do you say? Demonstrative. Demonstrative okay? Basically, what, what it is, it, Jesus was saying, I am the stone. It is me. I am the stone that you rejected. See, it is the job of the Spirit of God to point people to Christ. To convict I had, I had somebody recently ask me a question and, and they were <clears throat> concerned because there was something in their life and, and they, they were thinking that I was going to judge them. And I looked at them and I said, look, it is not my job. I'm a pastor. I am not God. I do not judge. That's God's job. My job is to love you and to help you understand God's will for your life. That's my job. <clears throat> But the Spirit of God is that is that voice inside of us that points us to Christ. When I, when I wasn't saved, before I was saved, it was that Spirit within me saying, "You need to be saved." In Acts chapter two, verses one through four, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and it filled the house where they were sitting, and they appeared. Uh, excuse me. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues, like as fire, and and it sat uh, upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and it began to speak in other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And my question to you this morning is this. Why did the Spirit of God enable the disciples to be able to speak in tongues? Or the word tongues there literally means foreign language. Okay, but, but why, why did the Spirit of God do that? Did, it, did the Spirit of God do that so that it would lift up the disciples and show them that they could do something supernatural? Or was it to point people to Christ? It was to point people to Christ. Let's let's read uh, Acts chapter two, same chapter, a little bit later in the in the chapter, verse thirty-seven. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts, and Peter said unto the rest of the apostles, uh, the men and women, what shall we do? See. <clears throat> What, what happened? The people that heard the miraculous things that took place there on the day of Pentecost they didn't say, "Wow, those people are have supernatural powers. They didn't do that. What happened? The spirit of God pricked their hearts. See, the Holy Spirit was used to point the unsaved to Jesus Christ, not to the apostles. Once a person does receive Christ the spirit is there to guide us. And John chapter 16 verse 13 how be it when he the spirit of truth is come he will guide you in all truth for he shall not speak of himself but whatsoever he shall hear that shall he speak and he will show you things to come Psalm chapter 25, verses 4 and 5. Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me. For thou art the God of my salvation. And unto thee I I, uh, wait all the day. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. But God hath revealed unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things. Yea, the deep things of God. See, the primary responsibility of the of the Spirit of God in your life and in, in my life, number one, is to point us to Jesus Christ so, first and foremost, we can get saved. Secondly, it is so that we know how to live. It is that, it is that nudging. Some people call it a conscience. I call it the Spirit of God fact that the conscience is actually mentioned here in the scripture it is the spirit of God that works in our lives that guides us once we're saved the second thing I want to talk about this morning is that and and this is this is where I this is this is where I need this message this morning the Holy Spirit brings comfort the Holy Spirit brings comfort Turn, turn back over to John chapter 14. <clears throat> <clears throat> Verse 16. And I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another Comforter, that He may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth Him not, neither knoweth Him, <clears throat> but ye know Him, for He dwelleth with you and shall be in you. And I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. I mentioned it earlier this morning. Life happens. There are times that sickness, trials of life can come into our lives and in a a moment of time, our lives can change forever. A diagnosis, a medical diagnosis, uh, the the death of a loved one. Uh, the scenarios can can go on and on and on, but there are we all face situations that can literally change our lives forever. In a, in, a, in a moment. How do we deal with that? See, when Jesus was leaving, when His disciples ran into difficulty or they had questions, who did they go to? And they went to Him. But when He was leaving, He said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will leave you something so that <clears throat> I, I will make in other words what he what God was saying what Jesus was saying is I have made provision for your for your for your comfort I've already taken care of it Psalm chapter 32, or excuse me, 23. There's my dyslexia again. I love dyslexia. Man, you never know what's going to come out of my mouth. <clears throat> Psalm chapter 23, verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You know, we read this, we read this passage, this, this, this. You know the 23rd Psalm, and we, you know, oftentimes we, you know, in, in in my in my life, I've gone to the 23rd Psalm when life feels like it's closing in on me, and I and oftentimes I will focus on this on this verse, and and the promise of comfort is there. But sometimes we don't always understand what God's telling us in this passage, or particularly in this verse. Let's go here. It says, "Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me." Well, what is a rod? A rod is something that a shepherd would use two ways. One, he would use it to, to, to shoo off, if you would, or defend uh, defenseless sheep against predators. But it is also something that the shepherd would do to inflict correction to the sheep. See sometimes it's God's correction in our lives that brings comfort. What about a staff? A staff, a shepherd's staff uh, would also be would be commonly known as a hook, a uh, shepherd's hook, it has a big big hook on the end. What was that used for? Same thing pretty much. It was used so that when a when a stupid sheep i e me gets stuck in a bush or or falls into a into a, into a ditch or a crevice of some sort. Uh, he could take that hook and, and latch it around the, 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 the sheep and drag it out. You know the, Do you think that feels good? No, it doesn't feel good. But there's peace knowing that God has made provision in my life. See, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. This is not talking about death itself. It's, it, it's very specific, the valley of the shadow of death. We've all been in situations where, where have you ever felt hopeless? We've all, we've all felt that way. That's what the shadow, the shadow is. The hopelessness of life. But see, God is there with us. And as we go through the valley of the shadow of death, the the psalmist writes, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Even though life can seem helpless at times, I know you're going to be there because of the promise and the provision that God has made in our lives. See, the Spirit of God is with us 24-7. Look at John chapter 14, verses 26 and 27. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, Neither let it be afraid. That's an incredible provision that God's given us. My favorite verse on peace and comfort comes from Philippians chapter four, verse seven. It says, "And the peace of God, which path is, passeth all understandings, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ, or, or Christ Jesus." You know, let me put it to you this way. I look at this verse, and this is this is how I read this verse. If I can explain the comfort through the valley of the shadow of death, then it's not of God if I can explain it. But we've all been there. We've all been, in, if if you've been saved for any amount of time, you've been in places in your life where God has brought a, a, a a piece that you cannot explain and that the world will not understand all you can say is that was god recently i was talking to someone that <clears throat> a family member had gone through a major medical event and when it was all done and said, and all the doctors came and said, "We we can't explain. It. We don't know what happened. But this individual is perfectly normal." And they looked at the the doctor looked at them and said, "Other than a miracle from God, I don't know how else to explain it. See, if we can explain it, it's not from God." And there is peace to know, though no matter what I'm going through, no matter what the situation, the circumstances are, no matter what the conflict is, no matter no matter what it is, I have a comforter because God has provided for me a comforter, a comforter that will take me through any circumstance. Peter wrote in chapter in 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 7. He said, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. I have quoted this verse mistakenly to people who are going through difficult times. Okay? Uh, casting all your care upon him. And and <clears throat> I, I say mistakenly because honestly, when somebody is in the midst of a really, really bad situation. This this verse really doesn't help a whole lot. Okay, just saying. It's easy for us to look at this verse and say, yeah, okay, Peter, that's easy for you to say. You were one of his disciples. You walked with Jesus. You were there. You You have no idea what I'm going through. You have no idea the the idiots that I work with. You have no idea who I'm married to, right, Darren? You need to you need you need to pray for her because she is married to an absolute idiot. Okay. You. But Peter, it's easy for you to say because God told you to say it because the Bible says that everything, that the word of God actually comes from God. So you were just writing what God told you. You really didn't mean that. And I'm here to tell you, you're absolutely right. Peter had has no idea, had no idea what it was like to live in 21st century America. Peter had no idea what it was like to fight uh, internet pornography. Peter had no idea what some of us deal with on a daily basis. Because uh, actually, the truth is, his life was a whole lot worse. In Acts chapter 12, Peter was in prison. Peter was scheduled to be beheaded the next morning. <clears throat> now I don't know. I don't know. I've often wondered. Do you feel it? You, you know what I'm saying? I I, I don't know. I just I mean it's so fast. Boom. You you know you. I don't know. I I, I would think that your head just kind of lays there and think and, and you and. Cognic, your, cogn, your cognitive thinking is still there for a little bit. I don't know. That's kind of a weird question. But, you know, Peter Peter is going to die in the morning. His head's going to be chopped off. And, and I, I don't know. I know that there's a lot of hurt in this room right now. There's a lot of things going on. But I don't know of anybody who's going to be beheaded tomorrow. Just saying. Okay? Now, my wife may... Do that to me tomorrow, that's fine. But <clears throat> but that that's the situation we're getting ready to read here. Okay? Peter is going to die. And he's going to die a very violent death. Acts chapter 12, verses 5 and following. And Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but <clears throat> prayer was made without ceasing in the church of God for him. And what Herod would have brought him forth the same night. Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came uh, upon him uh, as a light shining in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly! And his chains fell off from his hands, uh, and the angel said unto him, Gird thyself and uh, bind on thy uh, sandals. Uh, so he did, and and he said unto him, Cast thy garment upon thee and follow me. Now we we, lit, we read this passage, of scripture, and we think, yes! That's awesome! God did something great in the life of Peter. My point is this. Explain the peace of God In Peter's life that allowed him not only to sleep that night, but to sleep so hard that the angel had to kick him to wake him up. That, my friend, is the peace of God that passeth all understanding. I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt, had Peter sat there and and wrung his hands and oh man, I'm gonna die in the morning. Boy, I wonder what it's gonna feel like. Ooh, I wonder if I'm gonna be cognizant for like two minutes or three minutes or you know, I don't know. Do you think Peter would have been able to sleep? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think he would have been an absolute nervous wreck the next morning. But Peter, when Peter says in 1 Peter, what was it, uh, chapter 5, verse 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. When Peter wrote that, he knew what he was talking about. And his life happens in our, in our lives, we need to learn how to cast our care upon him. Because if we sit and we wring our hands and we fret over the situation at at work or we we think about this thing and that thing and and we get all worked up and and, and what's going to happen in our lives? I can tell you what's not going to happen in our lives. The peace of God is not going to happen in our lives. And the Spirit of God has come as a comforter uh, to you and me. Peter knew very well what it meant to cast his cares upon God. Not only is the Spirit of God brought to, or come to point people to Christ and bring comfort, but number three, to produce righteousness. To produce righteousness. Righteousness. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. There are two major philosophies in ministry that I have been able to identify. Uh, differences, I guess, in, in churches. One philosophy is that you, you produce a, a list of do's and don'ts things that you believe equal righteousness does that make sense you know uh, thou shalt not kill thou shalt not commit adultery we 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 manufacture a list of do's and don'ts in our lives and we th- and we think okay if i can do all of these things then i will be righteous that's one philosophy the other philosophy, and it is, it is my philosophy as a pastor, is my job as a pastor is not to give you a list of do's and don'ts. My job as a pastor is to get you to walk with the Spirit. And if you will walk in the Spirit, then you will do that list. Does that make sense? See, there's a, it, 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 sounds, it sounds like the same thing, but it's really not. What happens when we do when we do the first philosophy we end up with a bunch of robots that don't know anything about the word of God But if we will walk in the spirit as Galatians 5:16 says if we will walk in the spirit we shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh We will be righteous Philippians chapter 1 verse 27 only let your conversation be as it uh, becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be a base, I may hear of your uh, of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit and in one mind, striving together uh, for the faith of the gospel. And we've talked about this before. Uh, this in in, in first. Uh, in Philippians chapter 1 verse 27, the word conversation here goes far beyond just what we what comes out of our mouths. It includes that. But it goes far deeper than that it, and it goes more into the lifestyle, our lifestyle because what do our words reflect? Our words reflect what is in our hearts. And what what Paul is saying here in <clears throat> in uh, Philippians is, is, hey, what is your lifestyle like? Only let your lifestyle or your conversation uh, be as becometh the gospel of Christ. Paul, when writing to the Galatians, understood the conflict that many of us uh, uh, have as well. It is the conflict of between the the spirit and the flesh, because if we understand, we have the Holy Spirit living within us. But what what also do we possess? We possess the flesh, and that is sin. That the sin nature that's in each of us. And there's a constant struggle, is there not, between the flesh and the spirit? And and each of us uh, deals with that conflict. And Paul, when he was writing to the Galatian church, he he understood that conflict. And, and, and the the struggle that they were going through, and this is what he wrote in Galatians chapter five verses sixteen and seventeen. He says this: "This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfil the lust of the flesh. For the Spirit lusts is against the, uh, the the for the flesh lusts is against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another, so that ye cannot do that thing." That he would. Paul understood the the fact that there's a constant struggle in each of us to do right, to do what I want to do, to do what God wants to do. And this, this constant struggle. And how does Paul help the Galatians figure it out? He says, walk in the Spirit. That's why God gave him to you. He gave him to you for Righteousness so that you would know how to live. There are many, many, many aspects of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I, I, again, I said it at the beginning, I'll say it again. I have just scratched the surface. There, we could We could spend weeks just studying the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But it is one of the provisions that God has given us. And I think that what has happened to many Christians is because Satan wants us not to depend on the Spirit of God, that he has kind of redefined in the thinking of many Christians what the Spirit really is. The Spirit of God is there to... First and foremost, to point people to Christ. And once they get saved, it's there to guide. The Spirit of God is there to bring comfort. See, what happened with Peter in the prison that night cannot be explained. We cannot explain that kind of peace. I cannot explain to you the peace that I have experienced sitting in, in hospital rooms with people who have loved ones that are either on a deathbed or that have been critically injured and, 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 and they look at me and they say, Pastor, I'm okay. I understand that my, that my husband, my wife, my child, whatever it is, uh, is going to be in a better place. I'm okay with that. I can't explain that kind of peace. I cannot explain to you the hardships that many of you in this room have gone through and done it with a smile on your face. I can't explain it. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. And he's there to produce righteousness in our lives. See, if we will walk in the Spirit, the do's and don'ts really are not important. I have a, 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 I I don't know, I I really can't call him a friend, but I I know a man who uh, writes writes, uh, songs, uh, Christian music. And he published a song many years ago that is one of my absolute favorites. If you want to hear it, I'll I'll try and get it to you. But the name of the song is The Old Man is Dead. And I thought, I I read that, the first time I read it, I thought, well, that's a little rough. But then it dawned on me what he was talking about. And then when I listen to the song, it starts off by saying, you know, uh, basically, I, you don't want me to sing it. Um, he starts off by saying, uh, you know, I run into people all the time and they ask me, hey, why aren't you at the bar anymore? Why, 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 aren't you at this? why don't you do this anymore? Why don't we see you? Why don't, you know? and, it, and it goes through this series of questions. And then he, he sums it up by saying, the old man is dead. I don't do those things anymore. See, that's what the Spirit of God will do in our lives. I remember when I got saved back in 1980 on, on, on board the ship. <clears throat> I, had, I had guys that I used to go partying with on, all the time. And they were like, like, hey, you're going to come out to the party this weekend? No, you want to go to church with me? Uh, 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 uh. What had changed? I was still the same person on the outside. But the spirit of God had taken over, and the old man was dead. Just thinking, and this just popped into my head. I see Tina over here smiling. <clears throat> I really, I really miss Jerry. And and I and those of you that Jerry's still alive, but she's not with us anymore. But I remember when I, first met, when I first met Bud and Jerry, sitting in their living room, Jerry was telling me about her conversion to Christ. And she was, she was telling me all about it and, and, and telling me about the different family members. And, and anyway, uh, long story short, she, she told me how, how Bud's dad got saved and just before he died. Uh Bud's dad accepted Christ as a savior. And he, I guess from what they told me, he was a pretty pretty hard guy. But as as he was on his deathbed, he looked at Jerry one day and he said, What happened in your life? And he said, She says, What are you talking about, Dad? And he said, You used to cuss like a sailor. And he says, You don't cuss anymore. And she said, she said, Dad, I got Christ in my life now. And he ended up getting saved just before he died. The old man is dead. See, in God's wisdom, he made provision for us because he knew, he knew that each of us was going to go through some hard things. And he gave us the Spirit of God to first and foremost point us to Christ, secondly, to comfort us, and then thirdly, to help us grow. What is the Spirit of God in your life? How have you responded to the Spirit of God? Prior to our trip, our 50-mile backpack trip to the Sierra Nevadas, we tried our best to to make every provision that we could imagine, never thinking we would have a visit from a big old bear. Big old bear. Big one. I mean, she could have... Never mind, I don't want to... <clears throat> See, we made, humanly speaking, we made as much provision as we possibly could. But see, we we serve an Almighty and all knowing God. He knows. He knows what you're going to go through. And he knows what you need in your life. Let me close with this. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Blessed be the God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort comfort, who, who comforteth us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted unto God. The prerequisite to that comfort is twofold. Number one, it comes from the Spirit of God. Number two, we need to cast our care upon Him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father,